<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Europe's big new regulatory regime for big tech. More fallout from what looks like the biggest hack our government has ever seen. The FTC asks basically everyone in tech how they get their data. A Faraday fabric that can serve as an invisibility cloak for radio waves. An interesting raise to make exoskeletons and a review of the new all-electric Ford Mustang. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. It's been telegraphed for months, years even, but the EU today announced its big new set of rules for big tech, its most ambitious proposed set of internet laws since GDPR, quoting the Wall Street Journal. The European Union's executive arm Tuesday proposed two bills, one focused on illegal content, the other on anti-competitive behavior that would empower regulators in some cases to levy fines of up to 6 or 10% of annual worldwide revenue or break up big tech companies in order to stop certain competition abuses. The bills don't mention any specific company, but as drafted, one or both would likely apply to several large U.S. tech companies, including Alphabet's Google, Amazon, Apple, and Facebook. One of the EU's two proposed bills, the Digital Services Act, would require large tech platforms that reach more than 10% of the EU's population to actively look for and mitigate risks from illegal content and goods available via their services. It requires yearly external audits and imposes new transparency requirements toward users and regulators. Large platforms could be ordered to change their behavior following such audits, and if they don't comply, they could face significant fines with a higher maximum than the EU's GDPR privacy law. The Digital Services Act would also empower regulators to apply local laws on illegal content. A city that requires home rentals to be registered could, for instance, order a home-sharing app to remove a listing for an unregistered home or demand information about a host who isn't paying taxes, an EU official said in a presentation about the law. The other EU bill, the Digital Markets Act, would preemptively block companies with large numbers of business customers and consumers from a blacklist of actions deemed to be anti-competitive, such as forcing a company wanting access to one core platform service to subscribe or pay for another such service. The law would also create other obligations towards smaller firms and end users, such as offering price transparency for online advertisers and allowing data portability for end users. One victory for tech companies and their lobbyists is that the EU proposal keeps intact, for now at least, the basic liability shield that protects digital intermediaries from responsibility for the content on their services and from their good-faith efforts to address problems. But the proposals add increasing layers of obligations for online intermediaries based on their role in the digital ecosystem and their number of clients. The EU's pair of proposals will now begin months or years of haggling over their scope and details, similar to the four years of debate before the EU's 2016 passage of the bloc's privacy law, the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. Each bill must be approved by both the European Council, representing the bloc's 27 national governments, and the directly elected European Parliament to become law. 
But one major tech company, Facebook, which has complained about harsh content moderation rules in Germany, on Tuesday said that it welcomed harmonization of EU rules on the issue. Their proposals are, quote, on the right track to help preserve what is good about the internet, Facebook said, end quote. Mark Zuckerberg asked for governments to regulate him when it came to content, and it looks like he's getting his wish. And more sense that these next few years are going to see a serious regulatory backlash for big tech. The FTC here in the U.S. has ordered Amazon, ByteDance, Discord, Facebook, WhatsApp, Reddit, Snap, Twitter, and YouTube to all share information on how they collect user data, quoting CNBC. Along with details about how the services collect and use data, the agency is seeking information about how they determine which ads to show their users, whether algorithms or data analytics are used on personal information, how they measure, promote, and research engagement from users, and how their data practices impact children and teens. The FTC is using its authority under Section 6B of the FTC Act, which allows it to pursue broad studies separate from law enforcement. The agency launched a separate 6B study earlier this year to examine past acquisitions by Google parent Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft that would not have been subject to pre-reporting rules for mergers. Chairman Joe Simmons said at the time that while a 6B study is not connected to an enforcement action, the merger review could definitely inform enforcement. The commissioners voted to issue Monday's orders in a 4-to-1 vote with Republican Commissioner Noah Joshua Phillips dissenting. In a statement, Phillips wrote that while he appreciates the stated aim of the orders, he believes they are, quote, instead an undisciplined foray into a wide variety of topics, some only tangentially related to the stated focus of this investigation, end quote. Phillips added, The breadth of the inquiry, the tangential relationship of its parts, and the dissimilarity of the recipients combine to render these orders unlikely to produce the kind of information the public needs and certain to divert scarce commission resources better directed elsewhere, end quote. Three of the commissioners who voted in favor of the action said in a statement, quote, The FTC wants to understand how business models influence what Americans hear and see, with whom they talk, and what information they share, and the FTC wants to better understand the financial incentives of social media and video streaming services, end quote. So this would signal that the FTC is following the money, or following the business model of surveillance capitalism itself. Noticeably absent from that list of companies, though, Apple. More fallout from that massive hack, or at least breach, that we told you about yesterday. Sources say that state-sponsored hackers also access the Department of Homeland Security's internal communications as part of the campaign that also struck the U.S. Treasury and Commerce Departments. So it looks like for the better part of a year, the hackers have been able to read internal communications, essentially emails, from some of the most sensitive corners of the U.S. government. That's again because it was solar winds that was apparently breached at the supply chain level, and essentially... Everybody, it turns out, uses SolarWinds to outsource some aspects of their security stuff. SolarWinds has had to admit somewhere around 18,000 customers were compromised between March and June via an update to its Orion software, quoting Reuters. Emails sent by officials at DHS, which oversees border security and defense against hacking, were monitored by the hackers as part of the sophisticated series of breaches three people familiar with the matter told Reuters Monday. The attacks, first revealed by Reuters Sunday, also hit the U.S. Departments of Treasury and Commerce. 
Parts of the Defense Department were breached, the New York Times reported late Monday night, while the Washington Post reported that the State Department and National Institutes of Health were hacked. Neither agency commented to Reuters. Quote, for operational security reasons, the DOD will not comment on specific mitigation measures or specify systems that may have been impacted, a Pentagon spokesman said. Technology company SolarWinds, which was the key stepping stone used by the hackers, said up to 18,000 of its customers had downloaded a compromised software update that allowed hackers to spy unnoticed on businesses and agencies for almost nine months. The United States issued an emergency warning on Sunday ordering government users to disconnect SolarWinds software, which it said had been compromised by malicious actors. Because the attackers could use SolarWinds to get inside a network and then create a new backdoor, merely disconnecting the network management program is not enough to boot the hackers out, experts said. For that reason, thousands of customers are looking for signs of the hackers' presence and trying to hunt down and disable those extra tools. Investigators around the world are now scrambling to find out who was hit. A British government spokesman said the United Kingdom was not currently aware of any impact from the hack, but was still investigating. Three people familiar with the investigation into the hack told Reuters that any organization running a compromised version of the Orion software would have had a backdoor installed in their computer systems by the attackers. After that, it's just a question of whether the attackers decide to exploit that access further, said one of the sources, end quote. So the way I'm understanding this, basically, these hackers have been listening in on communications throughout the entire U.S. government for the better part of a year. Because they've been there so long, they basically could have left back doors wide open for themselves to come and go as they please, as well as potentially leave other booby traps elsewhere. Oh, and they're probably still there because they're so embedded at this point. Super. As Raphael Satter tweeted, We now know how many customers were pushed the malicious Orion software updates, somewhere south of 18,000. Now the question incident responders are weighing is, how many of those 18,000 backdoors were opened, end quote. And as former Facebook security chief Alex Stamos tweeted, the fact that you have to scroll down into the corner of the Washington Post homepage to get to Ellen Nakashima's and Craig Timberg's reporting on the SVR compromise of a huge swath of the U.S. government makes me think that official D.C. hasn't grasped what has happened yet, end quote. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features Features, help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. 
The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. I can't remember the context, but I remember a few months ago hearing for the first time about MX scenes, a new sort of conductive material that is useful in doing all sorts of things like making conductive clays, faster charging battery electrodes, even sprayable antennas. Well, say hello to a new type of MXine, titanium carbonatride, which makes an excellent EM shielding material. Basically, this incredibly thin material could be used as a sort of invisibility cloak, at least for radio signals, quoting New Atlas. In the new study, the researchers found a new application for the MXine shielding, fabrics that block electromagnetic waves. They dipped samples of cotton and linen into an MXine solution and found that the end result could block more than 99.9% of signals. On closer inspection, it seems that flakes of the material stick well to the fabric fibers thanks to their electric charge. This produces a durable coating that doesn't need other pre- or post-treatment processes like other conductive materials, the team says. In other tests, the fabrics proved their staying power. After being stored at regular conditions for two years, the samples only had relatively small drops in shielding effectiveness of between 8 and 13%. The team says that these shielding fabrics could be used to protect wearable electronics from interference without adding too much bulk to them. They could also be used to make protective suits for people who need to venture into places with dangerously high electromagnetic fields, or those that might be exposed to strong microwave radiation, which has been named as the likely culprit for Havana syndrome, end quote. Or this would be useful for privacy issues, like maybe high-level CEOs or activists around the world could have protective bags for their phones and laptops, or even clothing that could shield their electronics from people wanting to snoop on them. Interesting raise Tuesday. I continue to bang on this drum about how technology should soon completely overtake the construction industry. I'm talking about things like autonomous vehicles. I'm talking about the use of drones. I'm saying a construction site should very soon be one of the most tech-intensive workplaces in existence, because I'm also talking about things like exoskeletons, mech suits. German Bionic is a startup that has raised $20 million led by Samsung for exoskeleton technology that has the potential to, you know, supercharge human labor, million-dollar man style, quoting TechCrunch. 
Exoskeleton technology has been one of the more interesting developments in the world of robotics. Instead of building machines that replace humans altogether, build hardware that humans can wear to supercharge their abilities. Today, German Bionic, one of the startups designing exoskeletons specifically aimed at industrial and physical applications, it describes its Cray X robot as the world's first connected exoskeleton for industrial use, that is, to help people lifting and working with heavy objects, providing more power, precision, and safety, is announcing a funding round that underscores the opportunity ahead. German Bionic describes its Cray X as a self-learning power suit aimed primarily at reinforcing lifting movements and to safeguard the wearer from making bad calls that could cause injuries. That could apply both to those in factories or those in warehouses or even sole trader mechanics working in your local garage. The company is not disclosing a list of customers except to note that it includes, in the words of a spokesperson, a big logistics player, industrial producers, and infrastructure hubs. One of these, the Stuttgart Airport, is highlighted on its site. Exoskeletons as a concept have been around for over a decade already. MIT developed its first exoskeleton aimed to help soldiers carrying heavy loads back in 2007, but advancements in cloud computing, smaller processors for the hardware itself, and artificial intelligence have really opened up the idea of where and how these might augment humans. In addition to industry, some of the other applications have included helping people with knee injuries, or looking to avoid knee injuries, ski better, And for medical purposes, although the recent pandemic has put a strain on some of these use cases, leading to indefinite pauses in production. German Bionics' raise comes at an interesting moment in terms of how automation and cloud technology are sweeping the world of work. When people talk about the next generation of industrial work, the focus is usually on more automation and the rise of robots to replace humans in different stages of production. But at the same time, some robotics technologists have worked on another idea, because we're probably still a long way away from being able to make robots that are just like humans, but better in terms of cognition and all movements, Instead, create hardware that doesn't replace, but augments live laborers to help make them stronger while still being able to retain the reliable and fine-tuned expertise of those humans, end quote. Finally today, a review. Not of a gadget, but of a car. The new Ford Mustang Mach-E fully electric car is coming soon, and the great Sam Abelsamid has gotten to drive it. Let me just read you the last few graphs of his initial review. Quote, The Mustang Mach-E brings its own unique take to the party. Previously, my favorite EVs to drive were the Jaguar I-Pace and the original Tesla Roadster. The open-air experience of the Roadster is still unmatched, but the Jaguar now falls behind this new kind of Ford. Compared to the Supra or any of the other gasoline-burning machines, the Mach-E is a very different sort of experience, but certainly not a lesser one. No, it's not as nimble as the Supra or Miata, but having driven many different Mustangs over the past 35 years, I no longer have any qualms about Ford using the badge on this machine. It's not a replacement for the traditional type, but it expands the meaning of the brand while retaining much of its DNA. Based on driving the first edition, I believe the upgrades to the Mustang Mach-E GT should be quite superlative. Ford had to meet some very high standards, both internal and external, with its first purpose-built battery electric vehicle. Tesla has done much to demonstrate what's possible with electric vehicles and has shown the world how the industry can change in terms of design and business model. Ford seems to have internalized those lessons for the Mach-E. Where Ford should have an advantage over the California upstart is in manufacturing and customer service. Ford has had some notable stumbles while starting production of new vehicles, most notably last year's problematic launch of the new Explorer. 
So the company knows it can't afford to screw up this launch. If Ford can avoid major issues over the next several months, the Mustang Mach-E has the potential to be a major success and the harbinger of excellent things to come for the brand. If Ford screws this up, it could destroy the remaining confidence people have in Team Dearborn, end quote. That's all for today. Talk to you tomorrow.